The intermediate line advises a language and concept warning for the entire show. The intermediate line is brought to you by nervouswater.com.au. Thomas and Thomas fly rods, Shilton fly reels, and call and fly lines. Power pole, total boat control. Ketterfly apparel, from time on the water to you. Beast brushes, we stay in our lane of experience to improve your experience. Whoa, 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 whoa. Welcome back, folks. What do you think of that, Volts? It's pretty good. Very back solid. Style, right? <laughs> there's, a bl- there's a blast from the past. It's a deep cut. Deep cut for you players from the 80s. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's up? <laughs> Unscripted, folks, believe it or not. <laughs> Anyway, welcome back to another show, folks. Uh, episode, far out, we'd be nearly up to 170. I'm going to check that while you say something quirky and, and intelligent. That's a bit of a stretch for me, man. Even for it. me. Yeah. Even for me. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, we are up to 168 for this episode. Uh, so we're coming up to the old 170. Yeah. Yep. We're yep. looking at the page now. 167 was uh, Wolfie Brett Wolf. He um, he was a great guest. Eh? He was he was pretty good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, very Super popular. high downloads. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think uh, um, he didn't pull any punches either. Eh? He he laid it laid it all down, and um, and you know I learned a lot out of it. <clears throat> I listened to it twice. So yeah, yeah. Just in case. What I'm was your favourite part? Undoubtedly, you. Yeah, definitely. You know. Yeah, I, I, I didn't want to lead you that way. I mean, that's, I mean, I know that's obvious and stuff. And I was going to say <laughs> my favorite part was listening to you too. But I did notice Brett was there too. Um, uh, I actually listened to the outro and the intro about four times and just skipped the interview. Oh right, such, right. I'm such a fan of yours. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Yeah. Thanks. Now, my favorite bit was Wolfie talking about the business end of permit fishing. You know, with um, you know, it's good to head near the fly. Um, how to go about that. I don't want to spoil the surprise if you haven't listened to it, but it's definitely, if you're into permit fishing, go have a listen to that. Yeah. Um, tell us what you think. We've had a lot of feedback on it, too. Um, a lot of messages, people saying they enjoyed it and they got a lot out of it. And, you know, um, I'm sure I speak for Chris here, but I've always maintained the best part about producing this show and don't get anything out of it other than, a, than the warm fuzzies of getting people connected. So it's... Um, you know, from my point of view, um, 
you know, that sort of stuff is really uh, touching to the core of why I do it. So Yeah. Yeah. I do it for the chicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to launch the boat some days. Yeah. Uh, I manage. <laughs> Where they're throwing themselves at you under the wheel, you know? Yeah. yeah. I never used to have an ankle, uh, like a winch handle that, dis- that came off. So, yeah. you know, sometimes I hurt my hand beating them off, like around the place, you know, and, and um, now I just use the winch handle. Yeah. You get a winch handle winch. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they just run yeah. out at the last minute, winch it Gets up. Gets me on the water faster. Disappear, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, and we got the perks of the, perks of the job. You know how it is? Yeah, it is. It's exactly so, like that. Mm-hmm. For, for no other reason than we're lazy, we're flying solo tonight. And uh, today, or when this morning, or whenever you choose to be listening to this. Um, and, you know, I think we've got a, we've got a good subject matter to, 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 to breach on. But, I mean, have we, um, have we done all the housekeeping and the introductions before we, we move thus far into, thusly? I can't think of any more housekeeping. We, we're, not doing, uh, we're not doing shout-outs anymore. We've, uh, Balti's we're, Wide World Sport. We've, have we stopped doing that? You know, sometimes I feel like bringing it back, you know. You should bring it back, man. Yeah. All right. We might do random ones here and there, you know. So yep. something particularly outstanding. Here's one for you. It's totally unscripted. Kurt Rowland's got his first permit. Mate, if there's anyone who deserves their, their first permit, it's Kurt, Captain Kurt Rowland's, that's for sure. Jeez. Yeah. He took his time, took his sweet damn time getting there, but uh, he got there. It's a biggie too. It's, it's a, a nice off. one. It's a good one. Yeah. Nice and silver, not grey and yellow. It's a brilliant one. <laughs> um yeah so yeah mate it's uh that's awesome good on him good on him mate stoked for him he's um mm-hmm. yeah he's a, he's a he's a true gentleman that dude sure is mm. yeah um yeah all right well then maybe you know maybe who knows mate maybe we'll come back with the uh with the theme music the intro music for Volte's <laughs> wild world sports um <laughs> uh, you still got it well yeah of course mate of course we got that it's um yeah that. that's that's the only archival uh audio we've got of lapo mate <laughs> we've got Dan Mam's one as well which is sounds like a mortician I can't remember what he says but it's, it does sound like Lurch you know like it's uh, from the Adams family <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, walked into that one yeah. <laughs> yeah, well we'll bring it back some other time it's an outro it's an outro event really yeah it is it is, it is. Yeah. and if you're thinking to yourself now get the fuck on with it guys you know well, yeah, good. So I'm just going to paint a bit of background here for tonight's episode. Um, I've been getting back into fly tying lately, and um, you know I'm very fortunate. I've always considered myself fortunate to have a mate uh, as talented at fly tying as my co-host here, Chris, um, and it's yes. really benefited me. I've been tying for years, but sort of parked things a bit there for a while, uh, just tying bits and pieces here. I was buying a lot of flies, lucky to have a lot of uh, good contacts, commercial tyres that, you know, had good connections with that would tie exactly what I wanted or understood what I wanted. But as I got a little bit more specialised or, or uh, you know, did a bit more uh, particular kinds of fishing, you know, there was, uh, became evident that if I wanted really something to suit a particular situation, then mm. I would, you know, be better served to do it myself. Um, I've, 
I've learned to make time. The biggest reason I sort of slowed down and, and stopped tying there for a while was it's just more convenient to pick up the phone or email someone. But, you know, um, I've sort of got back into it. I made the time to do it. I've had to force myself. Um, and the catalyst for that was, you know, um, uh, you know, Chris developing some of these legs uh, that you can buy there at Flatscraft through the, uh, the Flatscraft tab there on Beast Brushes. And um, so that, for one of a, a better thing, um, a better understanding of it, uh, you know, I've been playing around with that and a few other other ties, and I've just been motivated. I'm really enjoying going down that track again. And mm. a lot of the conversations Chris and I have been having off air have been, you know, around you know that highly. I would say probably yeah. Well, it is it is technical type stuff. Um, yeah, you know, where where we've been talking about you know purpose driven uh, materials selections, you know patterns adaptations and that sort of thing. So that's that's the background for tonight. In case people are wondering, well, I'm going to add to a bit of background with that without making a big you know huge deal about the intro to what we're talking about. But I'll add to that because like you just said there, we have. You and I have plenty of conversations like that. As a as a shop owner, um, I have a lot of conversations like that with, uh, yeah. and I welcome that stuff with customers as well. I I feel as though I encourage it, I welcome it, I don't shy away from it, and I get right into those conversations with customers as well because, you know, I'm a I'm a niche fly tying shop. You know, like there's a lot of shops in Australia, and they have a lot of everything of everything. I don't. I've only got the shit that I know intimately, and that's the way I work. So yeah. part of that, part of that service, or and part of you know supporting that product line that I choose to have, is explaining the use of it, or mm. or helping with selection of that stuff. So the conversations that we, you and I have evolved to, as far as the technical aspect of it, you know, they sometimes I mean we've known each other for a very long time, and we've had plenty of conversations. But when we get in into that that aspect of it, it's um you know it's it's very pragmatic and these 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 things i think um are important to bring up and 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 i think um you know to add to the what the crux of the show is tonight to maybe even simplify it a bit more it's fly design and the purpose of it really at the end of the day yeah yeah that's that's i guess that's what the uh the title of the show is probably is going to read because usually we record this and then think of a title for the show but that's probably what it'll be <laughs> 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 but it'll have to be FLY design. We don't want to. We don't want to um, be blasphemous and call it FLI FLEYE design. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 I've got, I've got no problem with fly FLY design for the name of tonight's show. By the way, mate. So just FLY when you're putting it together tomorrow. Yeah. FLY design. Yeah. You know, yeah. 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 Okay. I as part of my religion, uh, I can't call it FLI. F L E Y E, it'd be uh, blasphemous for my uh, yeah. religion. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I subscribe to the Church of Popovich. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. So do I. So do I. Yeah. Actually, yeah. you know what? Talking about our Lord and Savior, that's probably a, a good point to um, to lift off from. Really, at the end of the day, because when it comes to fly design, for me personally, a lot of a lot of that stuff. Although I I you know I do tie pop flies, but um, you know a lot of the design principles that come from from uh, bob's teaching is it, maybe it's all i've been exposed to but i just find it very uh, digestible his his way of approaching fly design um very pragmatic very purposeful it's tying flies for the sake of of um of adapting to a purpose or a reason all of them are 
you know mm-hmm. um the flies i find that flies that uh that that do the job well are aesthetically pleasing naturally anyway to um to fly fishermen fly tires uh, a lot of those patterns that Bob, Bob comes up with are a very popular, very popular culture of uh, Instagram fly ties as well. Um, that's something you've probably drifting away from and having nothing to do with really as, as part of this show. But, uh, you know, if you're not familiar with what, what Bob writes or what he does or why these designs have come about, it's very interesting to, to read, you know, stories of him, you know, collecting bait just to observe it and, uh, you know, yeah. and just... Efforts, early fly designs were just you know clear imitations of um, of the bait that he was holding and finding, and, and then working its way from from that from that to being a more practical tie to include something that casts well or doesn't foul or you know yeah. or, or a good a good use of commonly available materials or or what have you. I mean, a lot's changed. Lots changed in that time, though, right? Yeah, you know, like yeah, you know, like we don't. We, there's better materials than Mara wool now, for, as an example, for things like pop lips or, or woolhead woolhead deceivers and such. But what a great fly, all the same. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. Um, we weren't didn't, in the in the pre chat. We weren't sort of get, didn't bring up Bob, but um, by chance I was cleaning the, the house the other day and I found my copy of the first one of uh, Bob's. Yep. And you know he he outlines these tenants of. Um, you know what he's looked for in a fly you know durability um a lack of tangle tangleability for want of a better word like something that doesn't foul is really important to him mm. and um you know like i said durability as well and you know he chases like like you pointed out he, he looks at prey he looks at the the key features of of how they look and how they swim and you know then looks at you know what he's got available and makes stuff from there so you know um it's an amazing process that he follows, and like you, I've got I've got a lot of um, a lot of respect, and you know, it just completely makes sense to me to to adapt that methodology when when looking at um, at uh, you know fly tying, fly fly design, or fly redesign, even you know. There's there's one there's one observation that might not be so obvious to a lot of people when you, when when you start talking about the name Bob Popwicks, right? Is um is it that Bob? I don't know the guy. I've never spoken to the guy. Well, I have spoken to him when we, when we did the um, the uh, the auction for the bushfires and stuff like that. Where he so kindly yeah. donated one of his beast flies from his restaurant, framed framed beast fly. Um, God, it's hard. Uh, I think I think in um, Luke in Northern Territory got it. Oh, Veltman. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. But um. I hope it stayed in Australia anyway. I'm pretty sure it did. Well, um, I'm sure it went to a good cause, eh? Yeah, anyway. Um, yeah. Hang on. Um, I was just going to point out that, that Bob is a um, is a is an accomplished fisherman, like a caster. Like he's, you know, like he's, people talk about him as a, a great caster and a great surf caster and, and, and all that sort of carry on. And you see a lot of pictures of him throwing great loops and stuff like that. And, and the reason I'm pointing this out as a as a as a as a foundation for um tonight's show i suppose to continue on with that foundation of tonight's show which is a big long one is that the the best fly designs come from those who are spending time on the water that are guys that are, that are fishing now we've spoken about without harping on about this again we've we've, t- we've spoken about following the beef 
for this reason because like you can't you just cannot make sufficient fly designs that 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 meet all that criteria that you pointed out earlier functionality functionality durability you know those two things when aesthetics that are like uh, to, to bob are a final consideration really as well like he talks about them being castable like the beast for example having a a, a 12 inch bunker fly that you can cast in the surf that's the that is that is the overwhelmingly the most repeated thing that he talks about when he when he talks about that fly right it's yeah. it's um it, if you ever see him like he's on videos on youtube where you read like the book that you've got there pop flies is a great book yeah the next one fly design there's it goes even even into more detail in regards to this um approach it'd be very easy for a lot of people to skim but um yeah uh yeah it's a very i think it's a, a very important part and if you like i think um i think if you're listening to this show and you found the idea of fly design interesting you know you're probably thinking to yourself um you know all fly design probably interests you is what i mean you know and i guess you got to ask yourself why why do you need to design a fly when there's yeah. so many great ones out there that have that have got a story behind them like a beast fly if you know what i mean yeah 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 it always pays to understand you know the the background of the fly the um the you know the reason for its genesis like why it was created you know what materials were around at the time or you know what why things were chosen mm. and you know that that look into the history is, is not just you know un unnecessary in some people's view look at you know a respect for them it's actually uh, gives you an insight into how it's meant to be tied and even you know dare i say you know sometimes you need to adapt a pattern or you think you need to adapt a pattern to a local uh scenario uh and that that gives you an idea of how best to do that and have success yeah Sometimes it's not, it's not, if you understand why patents come about and for what reason that particular um, direction has been taken from an original patent, say, right? So um, I really can't think of it right now, but let's just say there's been a, like a, a patent that, that's come about um, and then someone's changed it for a local scenario. It, it, and then and then you see that fly without understanding the reason that thing's been done. And then you go and use a different color on it and give it a different name. Uh, I guess that's what, what we're trying to avoid tonight, right? Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's important to understand the reason why, and there's usually a story behind most of these fly designs, uh, and it does, doesn't take too much to to find those out. If you if you're new to the sport, you know it might take a little bit of digging. It seems to be the story behind these flies was a lot told a lot more back in the day. I know that sounds like old dudes talking there, but it seems to be right. You know, like yeah the the um mcveigh's gotcha or the crazy charlie and, and it flies like True. that or the or, yeah. or, or the clouser or the lefty's deceiver always had these stories that come about it when people met face to face it was someone passing down the story as to the reason why they come about or the the idea ideology behind um the fly design the use of the materials but now it's it, you know fly design the aspect of it gets lost a lot on social media because it's pretty pictures that uh, take it up or there's no accountability of, of looking for someone to say, hey, um, does this guy do just tie flies for make good photos or does he actually fish, you know, or he or yeah. she, you know? And there's, there really is no accountability behind that stuff. And I think that, you know, there's probably years and years left of fly design, but it could be, it could actually be, as much as it's getting people into it, it could actually be stunting the, um, the development of fly design 
internationally, really, you know, because um, if, if we were to look a bit deeper as to the accountability of, of that fly design or, or who's presenting that fly, even a, even a pattern that's been done before, you know, I mean, look at flat wings, like Al ties them super traditionally, you know, and I'm not trying to piss in Al's pocket here with this, but on the contrast, you'll see, you'll see flat wings that are tied so out of traditionally really nice and neat and great photos and stuff like that but um they're just not they're just not the same you know like you got one video from that oh, i'm going to pronounce his name poorly um uh cordero um joe cordero huh cordero yeah yeah um he's got a video on on youtube on how to tie flat wings that goes for an hour and if you watch that video it's not fluff and then you've got other videos that go for five minutes I know there's a lot of people that probably sit there and go, I don't have time for an hour. I'm going to watch that five-minute one. I just learned how to do a flat wing. You kind is, of didn't, you know? Are you talking about Are you talking about Joe Cudrero talking? To, there's one where he, he talks about making a pillow for the feather. Yep, that's it. Yeah, yeah. there you go. I, I invested an hour in that, and it was worth it. Yeah. Well, what you did by watching that hour show, hour-long video, was learning... He was talking in amongst about what he does with that fly, what it's been built for. It's, it's actually a sand eel imitation for a flat wing, that one. And yep. talking about, um, you know, layering those feathers over the top of that to create that bulk and that movement and do everything a flat wing does without them leaning off to the side. And that's what that pillow does, as you, as you mentioned there. And if you didn't watch that video, you wouldn't learn what's going on there or learn that there's, that's a that's a fly that's been around since before lacquers or varnish or UV resin. And it's tied a certain way with the thread dams and build up like that for that reason that there's nothing needed. These, you know, it's it's so it's so interesting when you learn as to the reason why something's been has come about, you know. And then, you know, I I really reckon that if you if people took the time to learn that and see that 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 would actually spark innovation in their mind as to like probably probably looking at a reason why they could adapt to their own fishery and then translate that to the vice. You know, simply copying a pattern or copying a photo of a pattern or, or 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 not expecting accountability for a pattern that you want to learn and interest is is not going to get you anywhere, in my opinion. That's and right. It's only yeah. my opinion. Yeah. No, no, I, I agree with it, mate. To, well, well I'll, I'll take it a little bit further. I, I think you will get somewhere, but you'll get further if you understand, you know, the, the history of it, the whys, the hows. Um, rather than just the what, you know, what you need to do. That, that, um, yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah, um, that's fair. Thank you. Where, I, I think. Uh, sorry, yeah. I was going to say. I think that. Uh, I think that, like, um, you know, in regards to that, there is there is a lot to be learnt from from copying exactly the basic flies, like clouses or gotchas or yeah or deceivers, and so on, and just learning how to tie those well. Like, I mean. I've joked around and made comments online going, that's a nice clouser. And like, and people going, yeah, it's cool. I've tied my first fly and stuff. And you go, you know what? If, if I had to feed my family through fly fishing and I lived on the, in, in a saltwater coastal region, I could feed my family with a clouser. You know? Yeah. Like, it, there really is. If you tie a clouser well and understand how it works, I tell you, like, like to me, synthetic clouses are like nails on a fucking chalkboard to me. I, I really, like, <laughs> it doesn't, I, it, I, it just it just reeks with like I don't understand what I'm doing to me and uh, and again that's just my personal opinion. Please no one take that personally because I really can't pinpoint anyone um, that I can think of right now with that. But um, anyway, I'm not I'm not having a go at someone. I'm just telling my personal opinion. But if you learn how to tie a, a clouser, spot on. It's so seemingly seemingly so simple. Two clumps of bucktail 
and a, and a couple of strands of flash. The the placement of the eyes, the the, the way you the way that you you know you you fix the bucktail down, your selection of the bucktail, your handling the bucktail, hook selection. You could really break that down into being a quite a technical little fly, or there was two tines, and that's it. Yep. Am I keeping you awake, mate? Sorry, man. Yeah. It's no. all this talk of fucking clouses, right? Cla- yeah, clouses. Then we talk to me about bass or grim next day. Fuck. Sorry, mate, but I did cut you off. You were going to say something? <laughs> no, I was just uh, I was about to launch into. Um, you know, you, you'll get further with um, by understanding the, the principles behind it. And it's, uh, I, I hope this isn't premature, but I feel like even though we need to respect and, and look at, you know, where these patterns originate, sometimes, you know, the, a, lo- a localised fishing problem will require uh, adaptation as a solution. Mm. Um, does that be fair, do you reckon? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, some adaptations don't require much change from the original, um, but an understanding of the original is, is all, all you need. Uh, and and sorry to mention again, but a clouds is a great example of that, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of different examples of uh, clouses, and it, you know, if they work and fish up, the fish are the judge, sole judge, then you know, then uh, then that's great. Um, but it's not just clouses. Uh, I've seen surf candies tied different ways. Uh, well, crabs, that's, uh, merkins in particular. Mm. Um, you know, I've, I've been responsible for for uh, adapting one of those, uh, you know, to a local situation. Uh, well, Benbacks are another one. Yeah. Well, why don't you give us um, a bit of a breakdown as to the mindset of, um, of the VGDC. So to give us a, a practical example of what we're talking about. Yeah. Okay. So this, yeah, it's it's tough talking about about yourself. But let, hey, let let that go, mate. Like, I mean, right. there's going to be people listening to this that are going to be. Well, it's not about your achievements, mate. It's it's about it's about describing the process that uh, that led up to it. Like, you must have seen there was an advantage to a different way. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Um. Well, I'll I'll throw all that aside if you agree to do the same with your stuff, mate. How's that sound? Is that a deal? Yeah. All right. Sweet. All right. Cool. All right. So, um, what happened there was I'd seen. Well, it was it was through a mate who was doing a lot more fishing for me. He was fishing goldies a lot. Bill up there, Townsville, and he um. Yeah, I had a bit of spare time on my hand. It was Brisbane floods, 2011. Um, and I uh, just wanted some crabs for him, but you know there was uh, I wanted to tie some fl- some crab flies up for him. Um, but you know when we were looking around, we wanted something that was fairly easy to cast. Um, so we went with a soft, uh, you know, what is called a soft crab, so one without a hard carapace. And um, and uh, you know that was obviously based on the merkin, but. You know, when I looked at the merkin and, and read about the merkin and how Dale Brown, the originator of it, liked to fish it, you know, he wanted the the permit to see it, you know, while it was sinking rather than, you know, being taken on the bottom. Um, I looked at a lot of crabs through, um, uh, you know, through scientific searches or, you know, Google images or whatever. I've never seen a crab that's shaped like um, how the merkin looks when it's not being stripped or... Or you know, sinking through the water column. Yeah. So, 
Um, and certainly nothing in Australia where, where these were going to be used. Well, so, it, it did a little bit of a tangent there. I could validate that with Dustin Huff, who was on our podcast, said the same thing about the Merkin. Of course, right. nothing looks yeah. like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we do we do have fish, for example, that really want to, um, on the same flats as, as where Bill was fishing goldies. As he, he was the one that named it. Um, there are, you know, tusk fish and there are... Uh, you know, bastards or sweet lips, and these fish are really like you'd, you'd classify them as scrutineers, mate. Like they, they'll eyeball the fly, particularly bastards. They can look at it for ages to decide they don't want it or they do want it or, or whatever. So, um, it needed to be something that actually looked like a crab when it was stationary. Um, you know, and to do that, it you know needed to not tangle. Um, you need to be able to put it in the, in the right place, easy, easy enough to cast. You needed to sink the right way up. Um, you know, if I was going to steal or borrow, I should say, Bob Bob Popovich's mantra about, you know, practicality and, and tanglability, uh, you know, the one thing I would say with flies that are on the bottom, like shrimp and crab flies, an amazing amount of them um, don't always land and fish the right way up and i think that's a big Absolutely. part of rejections we don't know because we're not down there looking at them well it's, yeah. it, it's a, such a huge part of crab flies in general is to, is to make it do exactly what you want it to do and know it's going to happen 100 yep. of the time 100 yep. of the time is such a huge thing in any fly design that you can make it do what it wants to do 100 of the time yep that's right i totally agree and so yeah to, to, to get back to the crab that's that's what we wanted. We wanted something that looked good stationary, something that is easy to cast, something that you could, if you stripped it real fast, I've caught queenies on it. Um, my, you know, I'd love to catch a tuna on it. <laughs> I reckon they'd eat it if they're hungry enough or there's enough of them. But, you know, like if you strip it, it slims down. Uh, not all the way, but most of the way. But, yeah, so with that in mind, that was that was one of the, the processes. I added, I added uh, you know, mono-wise to it. As in, like you know, the, not not in place of dumbbell eyes up the other end. Uh, actual actual eyes. It's debatable whether whether fish key in on uh, the eyes of crabs. Not all of them have. They all have the eyes, but it's whether they're cryptic or they actually stick out from the body. On some species, they're very evident. Mm. But you know, I don't know if I want them to look that closely at it. I just want them to eat it, right? So they might eat out of curiosity, or they might go, "Oh, that's so fucking good. It looks real. I'm going to eat it." You know, deserve. That that doesn't matter. I don't care why I get the bite, right? I don't, I've got mm. don't have that that fucking fishy conversation. But there you go. I, you know, but, I wanted to add some features just so for me, I had the confidence to to leave it there if it felt like it needed to be unmoved. Well, there's two things there in it. It's, it's your confidence, as you just mentioned, yeah. but also um, like a a fish making a, a fast decision for positive prey ID, right? Yes. And yeah. And the, and the eyes are, the eyes. Do, are a big part of that. I mean, on bait fish and and crabs, I, I totally believe that. I, Paul do, Paul Donnelly might be listening. To this might be just you know throwing stuff at his at his radio right now to hear me say this because we always talk about the um the presence of eyes on on the gas crab. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think you need it, and um and he and he he gives him confidence to put it there. Um, I think a good way to word the eyes on a moon crab, like you mentioned a second ago, it would be cryptic. Um, yeah, and well, that's, and we could probably just leave it there to see if you agree or disagree. The list, as in the listener, you know who's right? No, but uh, the fish. Well, the fish is right. Yeah, I, I was going to say both of you are right. You know, well, 
you know, you do what you do, he does what he does. That's what I say as well. Yeah. Oh, like I, I say, you, you, you do you, man. It's, it's fine if that gives you confidence, then it works, you know. Yeah. But, um, but if you're gonna argue with me that that moon crabs have got black eyes, I will always disagree because uh, I've yet yeah. to see one. Yeah, and who knows, mate? You know, who knows what, you know, what permit or actually see that has been said they've got eyes so like dolphins. They're incredible. Yeah. And, um, well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, to me, it's, it's just um, it's more time on a fly that that um, that doesn't need it as well. So, I like the idea of catching something on something that ties pretty quick. Yep. Yeah. And I guess that ties in with something we we'll co- we can circle back on later. But you know, like there's nothing wrong with changing stuff up as long as there's a reason for it, right? It's got to be a reason. It's got to be a reason. It can't and it can't adversely affect that 100% that we talked about, like it doing what you want it to do 100% of the time, 60% right. of the time. The Fontana method, right? <laughs> uh, the Sex Panther uh, ideology. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, joked aside. Yeah, no, I agree. It, 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 in my opinion, fly design can't be reinventing the wheel and, and, it, and, it, and it can't, and this is this is where the fishing aspect comes into it. It can't it can't adversely affect its um, action in the water, and you wouldn't learn that unless you were fishing it, because you can't put a fucking fly in front of a spar pump, being those fly testers, which mate, I tell you, they are the dumbest thing going, and um and because it's not so much what it does in the water that's the problem; it's how it casts, how it acts in acts in current or no current. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's how the sink rate of it. Like it's all these things you only figure out from fishing. Fishing it, you know. Like True. you're only learning. You're only. You're really. It's it's just so. It's just they're just so dumb. Like I just think they're the dumbest thing going. I think it's um. I think and and it's only in loop of people that don't go fishing. Again, oh, this is back, the, the fly the fly test tank. Yeah, those test tank yeah, things. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. I, I remember having a discussion online with a with a prominent international fly tire who proceeded to tell me that he had a uh, a weedless game changer, and I said I'd love to see that thing work, and he sent me a link of it in a in a in a tester like that. I proceeded to say, well, that's um, I really don't understand that because I don't fish in a spa bath. Um, have you got a picture of that hanging out of a fish's mouth? Of which he told me I haven't taken a picture picture of a fish for many years. I said, well, that's a shame. Because the only currency we've got is for credibility of fly ties is photos, and we tie flies to fish. Make sure you get it. It'd be great to see you get a photo next time. Didn't say make sure, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. went on from there. But you know, I can see, I can see how people who—it's always a challenging question. How do I how do I sense people without fish photos? Well, how about this? People with more fish stories and fish photos, like you know, they they are challenged by calls to follow the beef or or for, for any sort of you know evidence and proof that they've done something you know that yeah yeah that, that actually does what it says you know yeah um anyone could write the words anyone could yeah. write a word say i had a i caught i caught a grand slam today but here's a picture of two fish you know <laughs> as an example you know like it's yeah, yeah. Uh, any anyone could write that you know and it's and it's in and, and you know what that's fine if that per- I, don't, I don't actually don't have the problem with the person writing that I have a problem with the people that believe it. Okay, right. you know, I think you know, if people want to create entertainment. You beauty. I don't. I don't believe there's a there's a character getting around with a big S on his chest that flies around, um, saving the planet either. But I think it's a great story. <laughs> I think. It, I think the problem would be if um, if you believe that Superman was real. That's 
that's where it falls down to me. Okay. So, okay. So, like the, the fake taxi of fly fishing. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> 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 yeah, I guess there could be unlicensed cabbies somewhere, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Please, mister, I left my credit card at home. Yeah. <laughs> Is it American Express? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Yeah, no, so yeah, like that that's interesting in, in regards to the um so the, the VGDC. The the thing the one the one of the things that you sort of, you know, you didn't make a big deal of was the each way bed aspect of it, you know, that's um oh, which yes. is not yeah, well you did you did talk about how it slims down and you could catch those other species on it and stuff like that. But um but that's the intention of it, right? Like that's the intention of it to be an each way bet, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was um that was something uh, that, in in more than one way, like you know, something that slims down when you cast, but also when it's still. I often wonder about those round rubber legs. Do they resemble? Uh, well, they don't look real, like to me. But who knows how fish feels and feels about them? Um, you know, do they resemble? Um, uh, you know, a, a crab, for example, that is. Um, um, you know, about to bury itself, or does it does it resemble? Uh, you know, is there something about how those things sound as they as the fly falls through the water column? You know, do they do they vibrate? You know, with a resonance that fish feel that's similar to a to a crab, or do they just look at it out of curiosity and completely alien to them, and they they can't see a reason not to eat it, so they eat it. You know, that's you know what this is. Um, this heads in a direction. Uh, of something I've spoken about on the podcast before about are you actually fishing a crab fly, you know? And um, and I think that um, I think that a lot of crab flies or flies that are intended to mimic a crab aren't, but potentially aren't seen as crabs to to fish. Um, I'll, I'll cite a bit of an example. Uh, I, I watched a video the other day of a dude up in um, far north Queensland. And um, fishing, like, uh, put a video up of his trip that he was up there, and um, he was fishing blind casting to, well, seemingly blind. I'm sure he knew there was fish there, but uh, it looked like deep water, didn't look like shallow water, but blind casting essentially to a, a gutter and stripping um, hard, like, you know, like a foot and a half at a time and fast, like it was Queenies or GTs, and then showed us a picture of a permit with a flexo crab hanging out of its mouth, right? So, I don't think that that's how crab fly should be fished. Yet you can't deny the the um, the effectiveness of an alflexo uh, in 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 many situations like that. And it makes me wonder, you know, when you got um, fish like like bumpies and stuff like that, that um, that we know that some people have lost them, but we do know that people get eats from them as well. Um, that that what they're actually providing there with an alflexo is is a creature bait and that's not to say it's any less effective or or what have you it's just that the mindset of humans of it being a crab might be different to the approach of a prey item for a fish it might have all the appeal of something that they don't know what it is but it but it's got all the right bits that um that might signify eat it or before someone else gets it you know or before it gets away do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it, there's plenty of there's heaps of flies like that. You know, I think all we can do as fly ties is create a, a caricature 
you know, but let's not fool ourselves as to, you know, like, I mean, look look at a clouser. When have you ever seen a bait fish look like, you know, a couple of strands of hair with a big silver U-shaped on it, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's let's be honest yeah. with ourselves yeah. here, you know? Like, it's, um, we oh, create caricatures. We create caricatures that, um, like, look at look at the effectiveness of like a like a like. And I'm going to play devil's advocate here, which might annoy some people here, but let's let's be let's be honest with ourselves. Look at bucktail jigs for conventional fishermen dudes. Yeah, they're not pretending that that's um that's a hyper realistic soft plastic bait, right? Nope. That's a that's a that's a that's a uh, an imitation that's designed to be heavy and is designed to be jigged and consistently moving. Uh, you know, and it's got the action of the of the bucktail that's offering the offering that that flowy action, and it's super effective. No one's denying it; it's effective, but no one's calling it a, a bucktail minnow. You know? Yeah. Well, maybe yeah, they do, right. but uh, <laughs> but uh, but um, you know, like some some of those uh, some of the slow prey items, you know, that don't get fish slow prey items. Like I was just saying with that video there, like that. You know, like uh, I mean, are we are they truly are they truly crab flies? You know, in that respect, you know, look at the raging raging craven. You know, as as another another um, example, right? Oh, um, great fly, man! Great fly, great yeah. fly caught plenty of fish and um, and inspired many other flies. But you know, like is is it what is it? What is it to look at? Right? It's a it's a creature. It's a creature yeah, that right. that that offers a. Um, a caricature of 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 many prey items all in wrapped up in one that could be fished many ways as well like that like a combination of those prey items right yeah correct yeah i'm not i'm not here to say one's more effective at all i'm just here probably probably bursting a bubble to say that that a fly that's probably intended or tied or got the name crab in it may not even be a crab it could be yeah you're right is crabs just a a, a classification or a categorization that we put on it well, I think it uh, comes down to like um, how you fish it as well. Like, I mean, a crab isn't going to f- move as fast as like strip, 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 strip. You know, like a, at a foot and a half at a time to get to br- to bring the trevally out of a permit. You know what I mean? As an example, like a, a crab, right? I mean, they move. They 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 the slow draw or a static static presentation. That's when you would fish a caricature like a raging craven, like a crab, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's when you would fish a, a flexer like a crab. When you talk about the bumpies, there you look. You think of like a a, a a huge concrete slab that's just been poured, and then you go put a coke can in the middle of that. Where where would a kid go? Where what would a kid do straight away? They they go over and pick that coke can up, right? And yep. you and you talk about those bumpies, and people put those um put those flexo crabs in amongst the coral and where they're eating and stuff like that. And you speak to guys like Cranky in that scenario, and he says that not one bumpy um, at the time when he did that interview with us on Cocos Island has been hooked in the mouth. They'd all been flossed. That's his words, not mine. Um, and and then you talk to someone like Keith Rosinus, who talks about the difference between flossing and hooking him in the mouth. These are these are these. I would consider Cranky to be an authority on this, and I would consider Keith Rosinus to be probably a world leading authority on this. And he talks about the only time that they they pick it up in their mouth is when it's over clean sand, the coke can on a slab, at, like yep. theory, you know. That's that's what I reckon. I reckon those wrasse are intelligent, intelligent fish, and they don't have hands, so they pick up this bright orange crab that's got these legs that are flailing around and at the mercy of the current, probably all pointing in one direction, not unlike a um, a young coral polyp, right? 
maybe <laughs> maybe they're they're farming. You know what I mean? Maybe they're picking up a polyp and moving it so they can start tomorrow's feed. You know what I mean? Well, maybe they're old enough to have, <laughs> to have seen like a new coral head start, and when they're real small like that, and they're 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 just an easy feed. They're like a real a real treat, like a kind of like a maybe like a permit that's been digging up sand dollars all day comes across a moon crab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a treat! What an easy easy treat. You know, they just pick it up because they got no hands. How else can they tell if something's edible or not? Well, they can either, they can either smell it, which we can rule that out. Well, we should be able to rule that out as fly fishermen. That that's a whole different discussion. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Don't mention um, the war. Yeah, yeah. They could, yeah. yeah. They could, they could feel the vibration of it, which rules that out for crabs. Or they got to make a positive ID of yeah. of a stationary or a static um, bait presentation. True that. Yeah. Right. And in some circumstances, when you're tying crabs with um, that, you know, that might be new out of the box, and they might have a glue sent to them. That fish is only going to eat when it makes a fast, fast decision. You can either do it through that they're chasing it down with the movement or again if they it i think to me and i'm not ultra experienced by any means with with, with fishing crab flies um but fishing the ultimate crab fly is a, is a fly that sits there dead still right or even mid-water still right or very very slowly moving to the point of like maintaining contact with the fly yeah. that, then that's all it takes you know man that is that is harder than than it seems eh? Absolutely, it is, and that that in lies the skill. Like to be able to like um, put a fly in the path of a fish that's um, that could change direction at any minute, even a meter off the the intended course that you think it's going to be, and not move it, and have that fly come over and and look at it and decide that it's what it wants to eat, and then pick it up. There's so many moving parts that have got to line up for that. For that, to me, is what the appeal to crab fishing a crab fly for species like permit or goldies. Both those species live deep, and you could go. You could probably go chuck a clouser down and deep, and catch them out of six meters of water if you just want to catch one. But that's not permit fishing, in my opinion. Yeah, well, it, that is that is a personal decision. Um, I I happen to agree with it because it might be the same for everyone. But yeah, yeah, and I don't mean limited to like sticking on the ground. I think the idea of um like. I, one time we were speaking about crabs on the show and I got an email from Dougal Rylstone who was kind enough to like um um oh, I just it just hit me that I've got an email there that I from um uh, from a dude from from Broom that I haven't replied to and if you're listening to this man you know who you are I won't talk about who it is on the show I I'm so sorry I should have replied but this email's like that and so is this one from Dougal and and it was it was at the time I can't remember how, how many said like some like 80 fish from around the world he said most of them were caught on crabs in midwater, albeit you know like um, slow moving prey, but like uh, suspended or floating or you know sl you know slow sinking crabs, you know, or off the bottom. But it's all the same type of crab fishing, you know. You wouldn't do that with a bait fish. You could yeah. do that actually. We do it with tuna for surf candies, right? Just chuck them out. You can do. Yeah. Oh, Dead stick them. Very very effective on long tails. Yeah. Very yep. effective. Yeah. Mm. Very. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly is <laughs> it's a, it's just an interesting way to go and i think you know coming back to the full circle to the point of the podcast if you're thinking of of fly design yeah right if you if you see crab fishing a crab fly like that then what do you need it to do 
you need well a you know you, you need it to land the hook point up every time you need it to um not be not be subject to the tidal movements and the current there you know like by that i mean i don't have a problem with our flexes but i i think about them a lot you know and i think to myself that like, all those schneel legs just peeling off to one side how can that look like a crab that's just all the legs pointing in the direction of the tides pushing it you know it's just it's, it's a creature i think it's effective don't get me wrong i'm not saying it's ineffective i'm not I'm not saying that at all i'm just saying it's not i don't think it's a crab so <laughs> i'm going to cop some heat from this but um yeah oh you'll cop heat from people who want to put words in your mouth or or haters but yeah that's yeah that's that's as much their problem as you declaring you don't think it looks like a crab i happen to agree with you but you know well anyway. there's a new fly that that's about to well i don't know if it's a new fly i've um i'm gonna uh, by the time this show comes out it'll probably i'll probably already have them at the shop i've got a heap of legs from um, peter pakula actually and um and what that man doesn't understand about hunting fish you could probably ride on the back of a postage stamp for sure i mean look how many records are taken on pakula pakula tackle man heaps you know mm -hmm. um and uh you know many people many people probably don't realize that peter pakula an international name in game fishing is is a is a mad keen fly fisherman and you know is is consistently chasing bonefish and permit in in his in his own time you know um so he's come up with a crab called he calls it the burt newton and for those people who don't remember or remember burt newton it's, he was nicknamed moonface because he has such a big head like volte and um <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad and, uh, you got in first there, buddy. <laughs> I yeah. can see it coming, eh? <laughs> yeah. Pumpkin head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Peter's Peter's come up with something that um with with his legs, he's got a made to suit that his fly and his design and stuff like that. And uh, you know, I, I think that's even that keeps it um plays in mind to what we're talking about. I think that's quite a not, not a bad looking crab, you know. The way that those those legs work and stuff. Anyway, my my point being, um, you know, you want those two things to happen. You want it to you want it to not foul. You want it to land hook point up. You want it to get to the bottom fast or not get to the bottom fast. And you want it to um, look like a crab. I think looking like a crab is probably a um, a very third or fourth requirement to the other things personally, which is why I think flexos are um, effective as well. Yeah, well, to be fair, you being being fair. I mean, flexos. The success of Flexos just highlights to me how, you know, wrong. Um, my personal opinion on what fish think are, you know, looks like a crab and what it does look like a crab is two separate things, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, sometimes the, uh, my take home from that is I've got to be flexible, f flexible uh, <laughs> in terms <laughs> of what, uh, you know, in my thought patterns and, and my adaptations. Yeah, yeah, I agree, yeah. mate. And, yeah. and if anything, that further highlights the importance of understanding material selection, the history of the pattern, its intended use, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah it's never a bad idea, and it's never wasted time to to do a little bit of research, look it up, talk to somebody who's you know been there, done that, um, and you just pick up little bits and pieces here and there. Yeah, mm. totally agree, yeah. mate. Totally, totally agree. It's um. Yeah, and I think you find that um, not one of those. If you were to research those stories, not one of those stories would be like would be like, well, I was just sitting at home watching Netflix and thought of this fly. It'd be yeah. it'd be like I was on the water and I wasn't achieve like my fly wasn't doing what I wanted it to do or I wasn't putting it where it needed to be or it wasn't getting eaten for X, Y, and Z reasons. 
And this is what I did to overcome it. It's problem solving. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Like, do you, well, some of the flies, when I think about pr prominent flies that I associate with you, for example, one of them, one of them would be early on was the, um, your take on a, on a bend back pattern. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, it got colloquially known amongst our circle as the Angry Adams. Yeah. Um, it was <laughs> probably, a, you know, a friendly tip of that, a cordial tip of the hat to your, uh, to your, um, uh, your disposition. Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My passion. Uh... <laughs> my, pa my passionate approach. <laughs> yeah, passionate and approach to, uh, to, to fly fishing. But yeah, anyway, tell us, tell us about that, man. Uh, well, I'll do what you did there and I'll give you a little bit of a background as to how it, how it tweaked um, a bit of a two-stage how it came into my life. But um, yeah. early early 2000s, um, I uh, was going my first time to Christmas Island and I was actually in, introduced to the original one, that Chico Fernandez bonefish fly, the be uh, which was just a bendback, you know, which was, you know, calf tail, a little eye painted on, a little bit of flash and, and, and no weight, just a, just, a, just a hook with the um, calf tail. Um, that didn't play that big a role in uh, in what I did until um, you know probably probably a little bit after midway of the two thousands. I was fishing with the late Trevor Burgess, who's also been on our podcast. Um, he was a very very good friend of mine, and um, I used to just drive up and and fish with that dude. And one day I went out to the water, went to rig up my fly rods, and after I ran the line and tied the leader, I went to get my flies out of my box, and they weren't there. Fuck. Was not was not happy, but um, um, bit of a tangent. I ended up having to use lures that day, use Trevor's gear to that uh, that afternoon. Well, I was only out for an afternoon because I just rocked up that that day, and um, I got one of the first toga out of out of a longer that anyone could remember on a on a um slick rig. <laughs> it was a it was a good toga too. Anyway, that's another story. Anyway, so. <laughs> Later on, later on that day, uh, I was talking to Trevor. I'm like, I'm here for a couple of days. I don't want to fish fucking lures, man. And he's like, I said, do you know anyone who's got any flies? And he goes, we well, could go and ask Harrow. And I'd never met Harrow before. And um, and we rocked up there, and 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 Trevor knocked on his annex, and um, and uh, we we got him up, and and um, explained the scenario, and and. <laughs> Uh, look, if you if you if you listen, Harry, you, you'll know what happened there, mate. But essentially, he wasn't real keen on giving me any flies. Never met the guy before, and and stuff. And then he wanted some info off Trevor, and Trevor's wasn't keen to give him some information. And a trade started to happen, and and then um, for a bit of info, Harry brought out a box of flies, and and um, I looked through them and went, Nah, I'll be right. Then uh, he pressed Trevor for some more information, and Trevor's like, You haven't got any other flies, have you? I might have another box down here, and um, pulled out some uh, bendbacks. Um, and I had a lot oh, of so I'll grab a couple of those. So, yeah. so I fished those, and um, you know, and and I, I that that weekend I fished them and and could put them where I wanted to put them. I missed a couple of fish. Um, they just wouldn't they wouldn't find the hook, and um, and it was a it was. I mean, we could talk about the the different bendbacks, yeah, you know, potentially a little bit later on. But um, but this one was doing what what bendbacks do, and that was just you know floating belly, sinking belly first, and just being real wafty, you're like really really deceivery you know it was it was essentially a deceiver a bend back deceiver that thing you know okay. so at, at the time i couldn't help but pay attention to no noticing that uh it was sort of around the time that 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 empowered barrow fishing moved out of the timber and was moving into the weed 
You know, it wasn't real popular in mainstream then. It was, you know what I mean? Do you remember that sort of era, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I fished the, the first ABT comp up there and more than um, more than half the people, more than half the boats went straight to the timber, you know? Yep. And, and you know, F- Peter Faust was in the same tour and a lot of a lot of people then had the the mentality you were casting at trees like you were fishing for them at, you know. In rivers. A tidal creek, yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So everyone was yeah. doing that, but like it was just starting to get into the into the weird. And soft plastics were just sort of getting introduced. Um, everyone was fishing those, you know, um, B-52s or um, those yeah, Viper Reedy, lures. Yeah, B-52 was good. Yeah, Reedy, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> or, the, or the Predatec Vipers and stuff like that were popular then and stuff around that era. And... Um, and I was, and I noticed that some of the conventional guys were having some luck with um, uh, Berkeley five inch jerk shads and stuff like that. And um, anyway, so I took that bend back um, and I went home. I put on a different hook, a longer shanked hook. I picked a hook that I could line the hook point up with with the tieable shank um, because the one that, that Harry gave me, it was the hook point was pointed up. It was like a he had his reasons for it. Johnny Mitchell told me that he asked him about it, like why they were on red baitkeeper hooks. I should put a picture. I've still got this fly. I should put a picture of it up, actually. Um, they're on like a like a red baitkeeper hook, and and that's what Harrow preferred. Preferred. I can, I can sort of understand about that. I'm not gonna. I don't have to expand on that now. But anyway, I took it away, put a put a lot of weight on the head. I needed a fly that would would um would 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 sink head first. I wanted to sink convincingly head first, like a five inch jerk shad. So instead of tying it like a deceiver style all the way around, I changed it to so it was a complete high tie essentially. So it's a high tie. It's still it, it's high tie sort of like it's sort of almost like a, a bucktail deceiver that Bob Popovich does, but only but only on the one side. And I would put a chin on it, and I would put um I would put the re, uh, resin a massive resin head on it, which um which the deceiver didn't have. You know, which is you see that everywhere now in Australia, like all all the fly ties are putting that huge resin head on it. That's where it comes from you know it's um it's 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 the it's the angry atoms essentially but uh um so the reason for that thing was that um if when i found that when the hook point was was buried in the bucktail and and pointing directly at the tieable shank so it was like the hook point was pointing on a same parallel line as the tieable area of the bucktail as opposed to pointing upwards i would get a a much better uh, hookup rate like it was nearly a hundred percent but it also protected the hook point the bucktail would sit the hook point was sitting in the middle of the bucktail. It ended up being like a, a natural weed guard, so to speak, which is not unique to the Angry Adams, but it's um. But the other ones had the hook point pointing up, and sometimes it would poke through the bucktail, particularly when it was tied like a deceiver, where it was all the way around. It would poke up and it would catch the odd stray bit of weed. Yeah. I used to chuck this thing just through the thickest cambomba, like up on the up on the bank, and just drag it right through, and it'd get hit halfway through the weed before coming out. And it was um and and I also because it was so heavy in the head it would it would have enough weight to pull down the drag of that 60 to 80 pound leader whereas if you if you were using it such a heavy leader for um from impound barrier which is this is what was happening on the deceiver i got it would almost hinge like it was so much lighter than the leader so the leader was stiff and 60 pound and you tie a loop knot on it and this thing would almost hinge off it like it was like a um you know it would sink belly first it would just hinge off the loop knot you know but putting all that weight in the head it, it it was heavy enough to be able to push the leader down and sink almost like a v at the loop knot there so it pull the leader down the fly down it would sink head first not unlike a clouser i suppose you know sort of thing um so that's the reason that one came about there you know it was um the reason it's dressed and the way it's put like that is for um for the purpose of empowerment barrel fishing and that went on to be able to 
fish in the in the creeks and the snags and it's caught it's caught so many wild wild barra impoundment uh, barra jacks jeez i used it for, on christmas island to catch um gts over the stag coral because you'd pause it if a if you were lead a fish too far and instead of just let you know let it sink and hit the coral it would sit on top of it because the hook point was in the um in the in the bucktail you know it was awesome yeah, right. yeah it worked really well pretty happy with the way that thing came up and Still gets tied like that today. I, I neglected calling it the Angry Adams for so long because it seemed pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just um, it's just it, like yeah, you're right. It got known as that. <laughs> People call it that, and I was like, fuck off, you cunts. And and um, and it was uh, <laughs> you know, it was it wasn't about naming a name, naming a fly after you or whatever. But a lot of thought went into it. I guess it's um, it's sort of coming back a little bit now. I, I guess it's more about defining it from the other other bendbacks i suppose more than anything else what are some of the other ones man other what bendbacks well you've got um, the one chico fernandez like i was saying that one that original one that was um that was originally a bonefish fly he's there's another one that um bruce chard came up with like a snapping shrimp i believe um that's called i don't know a lot about that one um we i'm pretty sure that's a bendback as well um flip palette came up with one called a prince of tides which is actually probably very close to the angry adams in fact uh, i don't know when that one came about but that's a snook fly for fishing you know clean salt water snags so it doesn't have as much it does it's only got an upper wing it doesn't have as much bucktail on it it's got it's got a small resin head on it um uh and it's but it's it's small enough so you could paint the eyes on do you know what i mean it's got um it's got flash that's wound down around the shank uh like a like a like a gut sack i suppose and it's usually got peacock hanging over the top of it as well okay um no feathers nothing like that just just all bucktail then you've got um lefty's deceiver got done as a bendback or lefty's bendback which is the one harrow did which i believe harrow and lefty were pretty good mates you know so it's uh it makes perfect sense in that regard and mm -hmm. that's just basically a deceiver the same way you tie a deceiver all the way around a hook um you know there's the same thing you would do with the uh, on the on the allowable space on a bendback essentially still great fly and i believe that's pretty poppy with the striper guys um, and they, from what I've heard, the reason that they'll do that is just around, you know, if they're fishing in the surf around rocks and stuff, you know, just in case it hits the rocks and it's, they'll, they'll tie them quite slim down like sand eel patterns and stuff like that as well, you know. But, um, yes. you know, the, the Angry Adams has got quite a high side. You sit that in the water with that high tie, it looks, it's very similar to a bony brim or like a, like a, a bait fish, like a shad type bait fish, you know, if you like, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah, where all the other ones are quite slimmed down, in in my opinion, it's a it's a lot of bucktail on it. It's it's completely overdressed. Like back in those days, I used to overdress the shit out of flies, which is why Dahlbergs became appealed to me quite well because I was always an overdresser. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's um, yeah, that's yeah, that's a bit of a comparison there with that one. But I mean, I hope that you know. I hope that you know, like, but you know, we've probably got more to talk about. But like, between the the reasoning for your VGDC and even just between those two and the Angry Adams, you know, it's enough. To, I hope it's enough for inspiring, uh, aspiring um, fly designers to sort of go. Well, there's a lot of reason behind those designs. You know, it's not a matter of just doing it because it's easier to tie, or um, or it makes a good photo. I don't know. It's it's got to be a reason for it. You know, and yeah. But there's there's a couple of other, I mean there's this I don't know can you think of any other um, any designs that you know a bit more of a story behind? That might offer a, 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 just in general. 
Yeah, sorry. In Ben Ben back specific or just in no, general? no, just in general. Like just there's like it's it's more about getting getting to the crux of the 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 the, the design story. You know, well, that's um, one that um, is is a great, in, in my opinion, uh, example of adaptation of a great pattern. Is surf candy. You look at what you know, John uh, Pop- Popovich tied. Um, Bob Bob Popovich. Did I say John? Yeah, you did. <laughs> oh man, his lesser John known Pop- brother John. Yeah, my brother. Yeah, he's his his uh, yeah his brother John. No, <laughs> Bob. I can't believe I said that. Anyway, um, I knew straight away I said the wrong thing. Anyway, <laughs> the John Candy. Um, yeah, the John Candy, <laughs> the night. Yeah, yeah, but. You know, local. Well, when he tied that pattern originally, was like you mentioned earlier for sand eels, and um, as well one of the prey. Obviously, you know, silver sides and a few other ones were lent themselves to that sort of profile as well. But locally, we've got the you know the bay anchovies, frogmouths, whatever our local tuners chow down on, and they required you know a slight adaptation to that. Um, you know, the original bucktail style candies never really reached the same popularity here as. They appeared to, you know, um, over there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that would be another example. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I've tied bucktail candies before. I don't, I don't think they're not. They're too buoyant. Yeah, right. Yeah, they're nice. They've they got to be slim. They've got to be super slim. Otherwise, you put too much bucktail in, and they're just, they're too buoyant. They just sit too high for what what we do, in my opinion. Yeah, I like in particularly for Mac tuna, a little like I like transparency in a fly, more of a hint. Of a fly than you know the solid color, yeah, um, and that that could be you know just my you know my preference or may, might not be the fish's preference. I'm not eligible to to make that decision. I had a mate who just uh, when I started fly tying, he absolutely pasted me on solid white, like not transparent white, like it was still white in the um, in the epoxy uh, super hair and all of that. Yeah. Terrible man, <laughs> shit, but they're. If there was a mosh happening, he's flying and he'd, he'd always catch one. I might catch something sometime, you know, if I, you know, I'd sort of panic and throw it to, you know, the side or, or strip. He'd just, you just lob it in there and wait the turd. Yeah. yeah. There's, yeah. there's a real, like, you know, like, like you said with the, uh, the name, the colloquial name of the Angry Ads, like there's a real colloquial sort of, um, fly design as far as, um, surf candies go around Southeast Queensland as well. Right. You know, and it's, um, uh, you know, I've, 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 because I'm from Southeast Queensland, so I've used it in my marketing when I was a commercial fly tire about, you know, things like it's pragmatic. It's 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 a it's a, a pragmatic fly tie fly tying approach, particularly the tail wrapping. You know, the tail wrapping and the and the and the uh, bend of the hook, um, keeling the fly and, and not overbalancing it with with too much resin. You know, and um and I guess that's the reason why I t- that's how that's my preference. When I tie a surf candy, I'll I'll preference the size of the bait, and depending on the moon phase, I feel like I've got a pretty good idea what's going to be happening. Even though I haven't been out there, better to have a look or to have different sizes on the boat at the time. But um, other than that, I don't want it to tail wrap and I don't want it to spin. And that and that's yeah. what I and then from there I'll pick colours, and from there even then I'll pick eyes, and you know, um, uh, hook selection comes before before that as well, I guess. You know, before before colours and eyes and stuff like that flash shit like that yeah to me to me it's got to be the right the right profile and it's got to do what i want it to do again it's got to be the the sex panther um 
<laughs> approach. Hundred <laughs> percent of the time. Except... It works every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's got to. It's got to work every time. It's got to work every time. If it doesn't work, like there's nothing more frustrating than than waiting for your shot all day to chuck it in and pull it straight through a, a mosh pit of tuna just up on the surface, just eating madly, only to find that your tail is wrapped around the bend of the hook. Super God. frustrating, eh? I get frustrated when I'm on the boat with someone who does that. Like, you're just wasting our time. Get out. You know? Yeah. Get down <laughs> the back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never said that. But uh, anyway, but you know what I mean? Like, it's um, it's got to be, it's got to be part. And it's the same with every fly, man. Every fly. I can't think of any fly that, that, I, that I would tie for myself um, that I would, wouldn't take into consideration those aspects of it first. Mm. you know yeah action action is probably another one as far as um in determining in determining preference ahead of aesthetics if you know what i mean uh, action of a fly yeah right eh? i mean like a surf candy doesn't have hardly any action its action is to pull straight you can tie it so they head dip um you can't argue the effectiveness of a clouser around around tuna but that's because they don't never stop moving clouses you know if you can make a surf can you do that too you can fish it much slower it can be, be just as an effective fly in my opinion but generally come off the back of the talking about surf cans they don't really have much action right largely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um uh you want to talk about a fly that's got uh, a huge hydrodynamic influence you can talk about game changers <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that's a good point um, I guess that's that was staring us in the face. Um, yeah, well, that, no, let's, I mean, let's, set this, let's go, mate. Let's do this. Let's set this, the record straight about the genesis of the slow water game changer. Uh, okay. Um, I wasn't okay. We can go. There. I was going to talk more about the game changer, the difference in in expectations around the world for it. I suppose um, for a name game changer just being a blanket term for everything like that it's not it's not really fair for those who want to use a game changer right you know there's um there's aspects involved in it that uh in the trimming or even the use of the materials that will inc incredibly affect the um the action of it by that i mean if you're going to use a material that sinks like a stone as opposed to material that's going to lighten the fly up you could trim it the same have all the same components and and hold your tongue the same way it's going to be a completely different fly in the water it's such a moody bastard of a fly. It really is, um, and uh, yeah, uh, I think it's I think it's a fascinating fly. I think if you were to to commit to it, uh, to to make it unique or um, suit your own style, you got quite a journey ahead of you. I really do. It's um, it's not it's not a fair or forgiving fly at all. You know, um, you've got to you either got to. Follow, like look at someone who can achieve the action and follow them to a T, or you're gonna have to be prepared to just waste shitloads of time. You know? It, yeah. Well, time and materials is an expensive time to uh, expensive in both of those aspects, isn't it? So. As a retailer, I'd rather you figure it out for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome because you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna uh, I, you're gonna I'm gonna buy a BMW while you figure it out. Um, as if I wish that'd be great. I don't have rich parents. Um, anyway, um, 
yeah, well, we can we can jump ahead from that. Like, I mean, like, I, I guess, well, before I get into that, I guess, um, because it, it is a bit of an interesting, well, it's a short, but it's an interesting story. It's a, that that expectation of of action is is the difference between game changers around around the world, really, in my opinion. Um, the action that can be put on an articulated fly, it doesn't even have to be a game changer. It could be like a, a tandem hook articulated fly. The action of that of that fly when it's getting pulled perpendicular to the flow of water in a fast moving river, you don't have to do a lot. You know, you just need need it to be articulated really for it to have that that desired action. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, if you're going to be fishing much slower water or different directions to that current of flow, like the same direction or the opposite direction, but in a in a uh, parallel fashion to the movement of water, you you're likely going to have a, a fly that's going to dead stick straight in those scenarios, uh, or still water even. You know, it's going to dead stick completely straight and not move at all because it just doesn't have that force on the side of it. So how can you um you know, how can you take the word of someone who's spruiking about their game changes? Without understanding where they fish and what it, and what that does to the materials, that's what I mean. It's not a, it's not a very fair fly in that respect. It's not a fair fly in that you how are you why should you be expected? What's the benefit of being expected to understand those aspects of it? And is the juice worth the squeeze? Are you going to catch more fish from understanding that? That's really only up to you. But it's um it is a great example of of all flies in that in that fly in that respect. I reckon. Does that make yeah. sense? Sort of, yeah, it does. Well, yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah, well, you know, like, I mean, obviously people know that, that Blaine popularised the name Game Changer and, and was quite, um, what's the word, uh, innovative in, in the approach to that platform. Um, you know, like uh, the Mallard ones and the uh, and um, the the, hi the hybrid ones, the polar, polar, polar changes, things like that. Um, Fucked you know, out he, ones. Yeah, bucktail ones, even even um, belly hair ones and stuff like that. Um, yeah, um, I know Nightmare Musky Flies reckons he started that, but I know that Blaine did that well before him for sure. Um, so it's interesting, mate. It's it's interesting because all those flies, you know, the, and the purpose of those fishermen over there, where it comes from, is is musky, and those the way that musky eat is different different to most of the species that we fish for here, right? Um, they don't really require that finesse action. Like you, you know, you put you put some of those flies that just got nothing but size and presence in front of a, a jewfish, for example, and it just won't respect that that lack of action. It won't respect that that unfamiliar action. Like they're just they're just not sure. Some of the, some of those fish will, will chew their heads off and eat anything, but for the majority of the larger ones, we just won't respect it at all. Impairment barra, the sa same thing. You know, like they sure you'll get days where they'll just they'll they'll eat tissue paper on a hook but it's not those days that you're aiming for as a fly tire you're aiming for those tough days they just won't respect that that lack of action you know yep you know so it just comes down to like understand what's going on so to, to fast forward to to the slow water game changer um um you know that that design for me i've always seen game changes or the possibility of game changes not unlike um Although I don't own any conventional rods or fish conventional, I've always admired the timber swim baits. Thought they're incredible. Those action, the action on those things, and oh yeah, always, yeah, always marvelled at how they achieved it and and what they did, and uh, and and the fact that like 
you know, they're just, they're just, they're probably the most realistic or, or well, when I say realistic, we spoke about earlier about triggers to make fish create a positive ID on a prey item. The action on it, on those timber swim baits to me appealed to me as, as how could a fish not see that as a, as a positive ID? I've never looked at the realistic eyes and the, and the, and the patterns on them and stuff like that. I don't think that's what brings a fish stops the fish doing what it's doing to track track behind it you know or or hit it or something like that it's it's the action and um and although that uh, you know it came close with game changes with material selection uh, you know uh, blending buoyant and non-buoyant materials or density of brushes and the, and the shape that you trimmed them to be able to control what part of the fly creates drag more than one other part of the fly um, and therefore creating the action it's still um it still wasn't enough. It was it was good, but it still wasn't enough. The idea of um, keeling, keeling came into the idea of game changers, and and it was always keeling was always seen as something about weight. Uh, so I flipped that and made the keeling something about um, buoyancy. So instead of just keeling the hook, I keeled every single shank then. Um, and if you could control the amount of buoyancy that went on there, so um, so each each section of the fly sunk float floated suspended all even and level um it was it was it was sitting ideally but i also realized that um if you took out of the equation of the action of those flies the fact of it's sinking i don't know how to describe this i'm going to try and describe this i i came to realize that um from using more and more buoyant materials that the slower that the fly sinks the better the action was at a slower speed now, if I if I you can't suspend a fly, it's it, I, I've used the word suspender incorrectly a few times tonight, but you can't suspend a fly. You can't make put a chuck a fly in the water with a fly line unless it's floating, and have it sit there at a certain section of the water column and stay there. It's impossible. If you're going to pull yep. a fly under, or a fly is going to get pulled under, and it's going to keep going. It's never going to stop at a certain point. So it's technically never ever going to suspend. You could make it sink slowly you could make it float slowly but if you could just make it do one of those things slowly as slow as possible or sit it still or sink slower than the fly line you could create the most action you could possibly get out of it at the slowest state speed possible and that's where it gave birth to the name slow water game changer i guess you could say um and it wasn't and it was always it was never ever a floating fly although the, people see the foam and they see it as a top water fly the foam is not about that the foam was un, unweighting it and um and keeling it and making it float sink level essentially you with me yeah i got it yep yeah so there's been plenty of fish i've caught on that thing with a fast sink line you could trim the foam down and, and trim it down so it sinks at a million miles an hour but it sinks level and it it's not using its energy to sink um the energy of the action isn't getting taken away by by its sinking because the fly is sinking level I know that's Got not to. coming across well, but yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> I know. I guess what you're saying is when you pull that that fly, uh, well, you pull on the line, the energy's going into swimming, not realigning it. And um, yeah, yeah. I, I I I often I have found myself describing it to people who are, who are who want to listen and think to yourself, well, imagine if I had a a, a triple jointed lure like a slug you know like a steel slug that you would chuck for tailor or something like that and um 
how fast that thing would have to move to be able to get the action out of those articulations. You'd have to reel that thing super. You couldn't imagine slow rolling that thing and it doing nothing more than just dragging across the bottom, right? Yeah. But it, but to make that thing swim and beat its tail, you would have to scream that thing in so fast. Now, if you just go to the opposite extreme of that other end and um, and make something completely out of foam, well, that would sit on the surface and that would probably s around like a, like a snake, you know. Um, you know, that's been done before with, with flies. People have done that. Um, they usually put a paddler bib or something or a bib on it and stuff like that. Like Andy, Andy Bolts made that paddler that time. You know, yeah. that we know that works. But um, to pull it under, to pull it under water and still have that action was what, what, what I wanted. Um, and, and again, I look back to, to the swim baits and that's exactly what they do. That's the way those things are set up like that. You know, they, they work like that. That's how they get that action. They, it's the, it's the buoyancy or the, the amount of buoyancy that will determine how slow or how fast you can, you can swim that fly. Um, regardless of chin weights and stuff like that to pull it under the, the fact of the materials being buoyant will still create that action even with that chin weight the same way a fly line will pull down a slow water game changer like a fast sink fly line you know god those people who are sick of the word hydrodynamics mate you guys got a full mouthful tonight a full mouthful of benthic strata yeah <laughs> yeah well and and again to circle right back down to the point of the of the podcasts it's for aspiring fly designers to sort of hear the stories as to how these things come about. The, the common theme you hear in here, like, I mean, I'm sure you'd agree, Volts, is that there's a problem that needs solving. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Sometimes, um, you know, you, as annoying as it is to, to have to have somebody come up and say to you that they, they, um, they think they can make it better, um that that is still a good mindset to have you know to have an inquiring mind people you know look into how you fished whatever you know be it a, a, a game changer or a merkin or whatever and they want to change it up to suit them and that you know i, I totally support that you know uh, as, yeah. as long as long as the change is you know for first of all go your heart don't you fuck what you do right but if you want me to feel good about it or you want my approval if the change is for for um the sake of changing to a problem like a fixing adapting to an issue or or fixing you know a local issue or whatever then yeah definitely definitely uh go your hardest and keep us keep us in the loop with how it works out you know because that's 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 how flight fishing and fly tying moves forward is people sharing what worked for them and also what didn't work for them. Sometimes, you know, you don't want to be sending people down a dead end. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's just unproductive and it's bad, bad karma. Yeah. I agree. I don't know about you, mate, but like it's when, when I hear that um, a, a new fly name come out and it's just being tied a different way, but yeah. it's not sol it's not solving any new problems. Like the problem's being solved with the pattern that they're um, building on. Yeah. I, I, I can't, I can't really buy that. Okay. You know? So, Here's a here's a question. I we we hadn't agreed to talk about this, but mm. when does when is a new thing or a new pattern or an adaptation? When, well, yeah, when does one of these adaptations become worthy of its own name? When it solves a problem and it's caught fish, right? It's as simple as that. Like it's not enough to just catch fish and and just tie 
uh, you know, a Clouser that that you saw with a pink wing, with a blue wing, and go, it's um, it's Bob's blue blue minnow, you know. Yeah, it's, it's still a Clouser, you know. Yeah, right, right. Like you can't you can't go tie, you can't go tie a, a slow water game changer and 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 use a diff like instead of closed cell foam, use open cell foam and call it, you know, Jeff's game changer. You know what I mean? It's um. <laughs> I guess this sort of highlights the importance of giving credit too. To, well, yeah, um, to to ties so that people who are genuinely interested can trace the providence of a pattern further back, get a better understanding, and yeah. you know, sort of, yeah, go. On. When I when I see people give credit, I think I think to myself, well, that person has got a a firm grasp of 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 how that pattern they're tying gets to where it is. Yep. You know, it's um, it's. You know, if you, it's more of a flex giving credit, in my opinion. It's a real well, it's like most alpha thing you can do. Yeah, we've yeah. said before, it's an it's an yeah. alpha move giving people credit. You know, it's um, it's a it's a flex of of your intelligence as a fly tire, in my opinion, to sort of go, well, this is this is where it came from. I understand this pattern. Um, you know, like yeah, like I mean, I I give an exa- a personal example like this, I suppose. In that way, the light horseman, right? Like um, I tie that on a on a very different hook to what Nick Knipe does. I employ the principles and understanding to him what 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 I can't remember Jason's last name, but um, Jason who who actually developed the fly. Nick will tell you as well. He didn't come up with the light horseman. I mean, a lot of its success and its its use is attributed to Nick for sure. Its popularity is attributed to Nick with Cod's Country and stuff. I haven't said, but he's he's the guy who did Cod's Country with Jason. I can't remember his last name. He's the one. He's the one who came up with the light horseman and and adhering to what those principles that made that the light horseman. Um, which is which is derived from a pike fly because I believe Jason's Canadian. Um, you know, I, I don't go around calling it um, you know the light moped rider. You know what I mean? It's it's still a light horseman. I haven't changed anything. It's um, all I've done is change the way it's tied, change it to suit to suit what I do on my hook um, that I that I picked. But man, it's not it's not a new fly. You know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Yeah, there's no problem that I'm solving. I'm, I mean, it's it's still it's still intended to be used the same way and fix the same problem that the original Light Horseman was designed to fix. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying, homie. I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah. So it's a, it's a good example, and uh, you know, like without, I, I I wanted to to use something without bringing anyone else's name into it because you see it everywhere. I don't lose sleep over it. That's a fucking sure. But it's um. But I think um. Again, we're we're trying to we're, we're talking to the aspiring fly designers here. Really, not we're not we're not talking to those who feel as though they've got their own concept. You know. Yeah. 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 You know, like there's some there's some there's some incredibly, uh, inventive fly tires, and I'll tell you, I'll say, I'll tell you one who I'd love to get on this podcast one day, uh, that I think is probably the most. Uh, ingenuitive uh, fly tire is that a word? Um, creative fly tire, um, and and definitely call, you know, falls under that category of solving problems, and that's Rob Mead. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think Rob Mead is is probably <coughs> the best the best fly tire to come out of Australia for sure. Wow, that's a big grab, man. Yeah, I I really do. I think some of the patterns that he's come up with that are so simple. And so and so effective, and and they've kind of got lost a little bit now, I suppose. But um, some of them do require like um, um, oh, there's a pattern I'm thinking of. God damn it, I can't think of the name of it. But 
it gets no, not the shuffler. It gets uh, no, it's not the shuffler. It's um the one that's got that that's got the foam that wraps over the um over the doll's eyes, um and the and the and the foam acts as like a weed guard. Like the hook point sits up hard up against the foam. Fuck. It's a God, frog. I'll try. I'll try and Google it. it I gutless really think frog? it's no, not the gutless frog. I think it is the shuffler, actually. I thought the gu- I just think I got it mixed up with the gutless frog. Gutless frog is the one with the poon lula around it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Hang on. Let me have a look. I'll just Google. I think it is Mead Shuffler. Be prepared to see this everywhere over social media after this podcast. You don't see it anywhere right now. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Mead Shuffler. Yep. So that's a hard fly to tie because like all that foam gets um, laser cut commercially now. You know, like to to tie that thing and make it consistent and the same every time is is super hard without the tools to cut the foam. In my opinion. Yeah, yeah. So Rob Mead's a um uh a, is it a, um he's a signature tire for Rainies, pretty sure, or it might be Umqua. I don't think there's any fly tire that's coming out of Australia that's um that's got that sort of deal at all. Yeah, I can't think of one. No. Nah. No. And they're highly no. original patterns from Rod. You know, like they're super not, original. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> I can't even see the you know, like the the lineage there. I'd love to I, you know, you're right, it'd be a great it'd be a great chat. Yeah. 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 Oh well we uh should reach out to him. But uh yeah, yeah. In that fact, pattern's out there on its own, man. The shuffler and the gutless frog. They're pretty cool. And then there's the gutless crab too. Wow, have you seen that? that. I, now that you mention it, I do. Rem, I do remember that. What do remember hearing about it, but I don't remember what it looks like. Um, I wonder if I wonder if I put up um, Rob Mead um, fly patterns. Old Florida fly shop on there, cutlass crab. Fucking hell! Yeah. Wowzers! There's a there's a lot. There's a hell of a lot. Yeah, the gutless crab's pretty cool little design. That's for sure. Different. Um, I I heard it'd be interesting to hear talking about this on the podcast actually. But uh, oh, sorry, if we if we get him on, that he came up, he, he had like a, a beast type design before Bob's beast. He called it the snake. And I could be getting this wrong, but uh, I believe it was tied on a floating line instead of mono because it was on the surface. Well. But anyway, we we should we should get him on and find out about things like that. I reckon that'd be um, be was really interesting. It was a snake fly. I think it might have been Lou Tarbury, but he had a snake fly too, which I think from memory had like a like a clipped deer hair head, and it was like cut like real short into a um, like into an angular style head. Um, oh fuck, man! I'm like a wedge type. Yeah, but like a instead of a horizontal, a vertical wedge, you know, like that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I right, could, okay. I could be talking shit here. I'm just going on memory. Huh. Right, okay. Yeah, right, okay. Interesting. Um yeah, look, there's I'm 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 on I'm on images now. I'm looking at some some pretty amazing flies that um that uh, many of them you, you don't see anywhere else, that's for sure. Yeah. Crazy man, it's um, it's really cool, really cool. He, yeah, he's, he's 
be one of the most innovative fly tires out of Australia, if not the most innovative fly tire out of Australia, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. But I bet you, uh, we, if we got in mind, there's probably a story behind every one of those things that are a problem that needs to be solved, needed to be solved. It would be a good story to tell, you know. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. Totally agree. Um, I really can't. Can you think of any standouts like anywhere in the world, like um, that um, that might that might have like an interesting story behind their their development? This mate, I'm I'm going to do an alpha thing here. I'm going to stick my hand up and say, I don't know much about trout flies, but I'm sure there's an absolute plethora of um, instances in in the trout space where people have have adapted and changed. You know different things for you know like perhaps the mayflies where they lived that particular species or whatever grew bigger different colors or whatever i don't fucking know but you know mm. what i mean it made them change change the uh the pattern to match the hatch literally yeah i don't know i, I like you know i don't know enough about trout fishing to sort of go down that area you know i'm yep. sure i guess i'm I guess it'd be more uh, modern things i suppose uh, today's day and age man mod modern trout fishing seems to be like pretty heavily involved with streamers as opposed to nymphs and dries right um that seems Looks to be like the, the, the yeah. biggest newest development you know and the biggest thing that divides internally amongst um trouties and stuff like that is you know do you do you check nymph or do you throw meat you know <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the tankara fishermen <laughs> <laughs> but they could be anywhere. They could they could be absolutely anywhere, right? I mean, we talked about a ten car tournament in Broome recently, right? That's true. Yeah, forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's a, a, it's funny, man. To me, it just seems like a whole whole new whole different world. I can't pretend to be something I'm someone I'm not, and I'm I'm not qualified to talk about trout flies at all. Yeah, I don't know enough yeah. about them. But I'm sure I'm sure a lot of them have. Um have been local adaptations of existing patterns but yeah there just I mean, seems to be so many so many variations of of, of a similar fly like, i mean nymphs for example right I, I get the first person to have put a tungsten bead on a on a on a on a jig hook or what have you you know and it's probably probably a very innovative person but there are so many fucking different types of nymphs with different tails and materials and stuff and their sizes and and stuff like that it's it's like having a hundred hundred different clouses it looks True. like to me yep you know it technically you could turn around and say that um you know that that clouser type platform covers they probably look at the trouties probably look at gotchas and 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 crazy charlies and stuff like that it's the same way probably i look at nymphs i guess it's like isn't that just a smaller version of the same thing it's probably unavoidable mate you know like it's just it's just natural. It's human nature to to attempt to summarize and categorize things to understand them. You know. Yeah. 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 I mean, but it could be classic. It could be a classic case of you don't know what you don't know. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I can't even begin to to talk about it, man. I don't. I don't know. I'm fish out of water. Yeah. So, so to speak. Yeah. It's. Um. I guess, the, and I guess the, the Dahlberg's a good story too. I suppose in that respect. I mean, a lot of people know that one already, but it's a classic in that um, in that that's a fly that was intended to be fished on a fast sink line that ended up being an iconic topwater fly. Sure. Yeah. You know, um, not really solving any problems. I suppose it's 
it's uh, I guess it is. It's uh, a frog imitation, which Larry Dahlberg would have been attempting to. It makes sense, doesn't it? Like uh, the deer hair would have created enough body to give it the shape of a frog or a bullfrog or something like that. And frogs yep. do swim like that. Like once they stop, they start floating straight away. True that. You know, so it's, uh, it does solve a bit of a problem in that respect. I tell you um, what, it looks it looks a hell of a lot more frog-like than some of those frog lures that people throw. Oh yeah, it's well, literally skipping them across the top, the rod tip high. We we talk about artificial development whether it's flies or lures and stuff like that. i think the cicada cicada lures are a classic example like that right it's um i've never ever seen a cicada doing breaststroke across the water you know <laughs> you know like to see some of those um tmk cicadas soft cicadas and stuff like that oh, they yeah. just they're just paddlers they're just paddling yeah. across across the surface of the water but they're uh, the bodies that have a cicada funny man we talked about like uh flexos being called a crab and defined as a crab and people were saying oh, i fished a crab fly for him the same way that bass dudes throwing those tmk soft shell cicadas say i threw a cicada and caught bass at him right it's i, I very much doubt that it that like that that um those those paddler type type fly lures are seen as um anything more than um something that stimulates the idea that, that i'd better eat that before it gets away it's not not a fish going that's i recognize that as a cicada that i've eaten a thousand of to get up to my 50 centimeter fork length stature as a bass you know it's an old fish would have yep. seen a cicada or two in its time for sure sure would have you know they 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 you see what i mean do you agree yeah <clears throat> probably would have seen a few well my, no my point of um saying that um that what we what we give a name to may not be seen that way by the by our by the prey oh, that totally. we're chasing yeah yeah absolutely yep so the best thing we can do as fly ties again sort of round back to something we said earlier is to be making caricatures of of um of our prey's prey yeah yeah it's true prey. yeah mm. <clears throat> make it good we'll never be able to make it exact but no, you know, when we look at look at say the bringing it back to crabs, I hate to keep bringing it back to crabs, but yep, you know, particularly moon crabs, they're always trying to trying to hide, you know, or trying to be cryptic. So when we copy them, we're copying camouflage. We've got to be, you know, in that case, careful we don't do it too well. Um, well, yeah. Another way to look at it is like you're, you're you're absolutely right. To hang on what you said there earlier before getting too far away to go we can't it's, it's impossible for us to make something look so real that the fish thinks it's real so as as whether we're doing throwing lures or whatever but as fly tires all we can do is, is i think the most important thing to do as a fly tire is to create something that that doesn't foul doesn't tail wrap casts easy makes you put it where it needs to be um you know it has hook good hook point exposure all those aspects of it you know it uh, come before aesthetics you can always once you've figured out how to do that you can always make something look better you could always color it in better trim it better do whatever but as long as you're meeting those those five key points before before that you know that's that's the most important thing really at the end of the day if we could make it look exactly the same every time mate, we, we our, our capture race would go through the roof you talk about crabs and moon crabs like that i mean i've I've walked on one in the surf, you know, like, and it wasn't sitting on top of the sand. It was buried. You know, I remember, remember cut, like almost cutting my foot on one once, yeah. um, 
and um, that's what they do. You know, they you, you see videos of them and stuff, and if they're anywhere in mid-water column, any sign of danger, they, they head straight to the bottom and they bury themselves. So as fly ties, if we, we throw out like a realistic looking moon crab, uh, all we can hope to think is that, geez, we're, we're really overthinking it to even get to this far, but to think that a fish is like, oh, it hasn't seen me yet. I'm going to get it before it buries. Yeah. yeah, that's all we can help. That's all we can do, right? It's um, and it's uh, or we could we could mimic the actions of it by that when you hear people say like fishing crab flies, they cast them at the fish, you know, like so they 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 like what Will Flack said, you know, cast them at the fish. I'd rather you hit that fish than be too far away from it. It makes me it makes me wonder, like when I like what I just said there, and we've all seen it that when crabs are crabs are swimming and they see prey, like they'll they'll head to the bottom as as quick as they can. That's what a that's what a crab that lands on the water does. Goes straight to the bottom, and the fish see it, go straight to the bottom, and go pick it up before it buries itself. Right? True. Doesn't matter what it looks like. It just needs to look, be a caricature of a crab. Right? Yep. But like, if we're gonna, if you're planning on fishing it, look at I means the, the fishing that I've done with Dave Bradley and Rod Collins, for example, in that in for, for permit in those scenarios, you're wanting to 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 lead a fish cast it in front of it and you're wanting a fish to, to swim over find it find the the crab that itself like you need to put it in a in a position that it doesn't didn't see it land it's uh it's it's in its track and it's um and it's going to swim over and and think to it possibly think to itself i'm going to get it before it buries itself before i spook the crab you know here's a crab up on the sand feeding or something like that right yeah so i i do need something that looks realistic in that in that circumstance yeah yep you know you need to tell a lie but not too much you know yeah yeah but it doesn't matter how realistic a crab is you know like it's um that's that's not the takeaway if you're listening to this is you know like you can make you can i've seen some crab flies to talk of crab flies that are just incredible works of art but but the way the legs are fashioned you know you know hydrodynamically it's going to flip the fly over <laughs> and to go go back to what we spoke about, like the the most the, the the biggest deciding fact that you should do in fly design is make sure it works. And if you got if you got the thing that looks that looks side by side to a real crab identical, but it's going to make the thing flip upside down and be pretty much useless, or or it's so light that it's going to waft along in the tide like a bit of unnatural rubbish. It's there's. There's not. There's just. It's just not doing its job. It doesn't matter how how good it looks. It's got yeah. a, a fly. A fly's got to do all those things first before it looks good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and to give credit to sort of um, yeah, I try not to try not to sound self-absorbed with this, but it's um, because I, I sell products for this. But ga- to give credit to Gavin Davis for that that Gavs crab. Man, it's just it's it's it. it not only does it do does it does it land hook, hook point up um sink sink fast easy to cast all that sort of stuff the other thing that gavin's done with that is is made it a five minute tie that yeah that's probably a really good point to wrap up on like one of the most impressive things is um for me personally other people will differ um something of value in a in a fly and a fly tire is simplicity yeah um i see elegance in simplicity yeah, totally so, agree. yeah and um yeah gab's crab definitely ticks that box man 
Well, simplicity isn't it isn't minimalist either. Simplicity is like things need to be there for a reason, but yeah, but but um, but things the clarity don't, of purpose. Yeah, if, if things don't need to be there, don't do them. Yeah, like black eyes on moon crabs, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> I got I, man, Paul. Paul is uh, is is someone I highly respect, mate. If he's putting black eyes on them, then we probably all should be really. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've seen PD catch so many good fish over the years that yep. I don't question the uh, the result. Yep. Yeah. So. Well, Volts, I think that um, we've bent extrated the shit out of this, man. Um, it's always good to do to, to get technical sometimes, mate, with these shows. And, um, yeah, like, again, I, I would like to, I'd just like to, as we wrap this up, reiterate the purpose of the show is fly design. You know, it's it's uh it's tug. The purpose of the show is targeting those people that are aspiring fly designers. Um, um, if you know, if you've been if you've been fly time most of your life and you disagree with what you've what we've said, you're kind of collateral damage. You're, you're not the you're not the you're not the targeted audience for this, mate. Uh, and and I guess I could speak on behalf of myself and the production staff here and 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 Volts <laughs> and say that our intention was not to offend anyone. And if we have, we're sorry. But uh, but the point is that's. We feel as though that um, there's a lot of interest in fly design. There's a lot of new fly tires coming around, and and uh, and there's and it's very easy to miss a lot of information. The way social media works, it's a double-edged sword. It's great, but it doesn't um, it doesn't it doesn't offer a lot of the the history of that because a lot of people don't. Well, we talked about earlier about giving credit. You know, um, probably they don't know where it came from. I agree. Yeah, there's a whole lot more reasons just than just ego to credit someone. It's like we we spoke about. Um, it's for the providence, uh, you know, the the process, the ideas, and you know, you can learn so much. Sharing is how everybody moves forward. You know, um, I would love for people to take some of what we said on board, go away, change something to to suit themselves. They might end up with a with an answer to a question they don't even know what the question is yet you know? how sick would that be that would that would be uh, not something i would expect from this podcast but it would be incredible to come from this podcast to, to have someone go i listen to your show i i have got a problem with my fishing i went back and found something similar learned of the history as to what problem that was solving realized i had a different problem and this is how i fixed it yeah that would be so fulfilling for me yeah you know i'm sure it would be for you too if if you're out there and this show helps you in that way or whatever, or even if, you know, even if you think we're shit, just let us know. It's cool. <laughs> but, um, but Not yeah, cool. I, just well, let I with it, you know, yeah. yeah. But uh, anyways, yeah, thanks for listening. I, I actually enjoyed that chat. I was a bit worried, you know, beforehand, which direction it could, could go in or what, you know, might be seen as, but I, I like that one. It was good. Oh, that's wonderful, mate. Are you, are you letting me know? Or the listeners know that. Oh, I don't care, man. Both of you, you know. Both of you. I'm, I'm not insecure. <laughs> me, yeah. me and the listener. Yeah, mate. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Listeners. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> You're very humble, aren't you? Sure am, Cameron. The humble yeah. bumble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah we had uh, we we caught up with uh with Dave Dave Bradley and Rodley Collings when they came down to Brisbane this week, just a couple of days ago. And um, they made met plenty of comments about you being humble as well, you know, particularly while you're walking under that stuffed Jewfish. 
<laughs> I don't call it the Big Fish Tavern for not uh, for not having big fish there, mate. So I was so glad to show those North Queenlanders a, a, a taste of Southeast Queensland and have a a bunch of like a, a plate full of sangers and some beers and um, there's nothing there's nothing that says Big Fish Tavern like a like a timber knife pu- punched through your sandwich. <laughs> oh man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that place that used, it used to be an amusement park to go and catch fish? I do, mate, yeah. But the problem was, and I never saw anyone fishing there. No, I remember seeing on TV once, like that, on Ken Brown's Coast Watch or something like that, that you could go and pay X amount, and there was ponds, one pond full of yellow belly, one pond full of silver perch, and another another pond full of eels, tail catfish or something like that. It was, some, yeah. it, was some, it was It was the most weirdest species to have at that, that part of the world. Um, but anyway, for some reason it failed. The, the dams are the size of a large swimming pool. Wow, I know I'm heavily stocked with it. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I never went there. I wanted to. I was pretty young when it was when it was around, but uh, I always liked to have, but that was a long way. That was a long way from home back then. Short distance now. Yeah, shit. The highway's Level. much better. <laughs> well, I can't miss it because I didn't know what was in there, mate. Yeah. Oh, it's hard to miss, mate. You know? Yeah. Anyway, you got the Barra Farm now, mate. Plenty <laughs> of places you can take pictures with the background there and call them wild fish, mate. You'll be right. Oh, I saw a bit of that recently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the Achilles heel of some people, isn't it? Yeah, they just <laughs> sort of don't know when, uh, yeah. when to stop. Yeah, when run to stop. Run in the mouth. Just, anyway, just just call it, just claim it, you know. Yeah, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's uh, all right, it's man. Good fodder. Anyway, man. Yeah, all right. Good chat, Vols. Yeah, I'll catch you, dude. We yeah. All right, cool, man. We're going to talk about the next podcast or not? Leave it a secret. Yeah, we'll leave it a secret. We got a hitter, a big hitter. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. sorry, I apologise. I should learn from history that whenever I say this, we're back next week with just us, folks. Yeah, it's sort of the podcasting equivalent of when you're about to go on a fishing trip, your mate rings you up, oh, how good's that weather looking? You know, and you're like, yeah, mate, what are you on the, the 7 to 14 day outlook, are you? You know? <laughs> the, equivalent, the equivalent of like, yeah, just before the trip, we're going to catch so many fish. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Nothing can go wrong. You know, oh, like that, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you checked your flares, mate? Yeah, nothing can go wrong. <laughs> I'm so stupid we're at the end of the show. I'd love to expand on that story, but hey, another time, eh? No, nah, no one is here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. See you, dude. See you, mate.